Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the Gravescast. Uh, welcome, I'm your host Nick Graves, and today we have a new guest. Uh, it's not going to be a solo cast like la- last week, but instead we're going to have a top tier Dungeons and Dragons player, a party planning extraordinaire, and one of the most selfless people I know, and that's my uh, good old friend Jacob Wahlberg. How are you doing today, yeah. Jacob? Hey, Nick, thanks for the nice intro. I'm doing all right. It's, uh, just got the news from you, actually. I've had the extra long COVID lockdown, so things are a little blue, but at least we got the Graves cast at 8 p.m. on Friday night. Yeah, for those who don't and know, we're actually located in Ontario here, and uh, our premier, Doug Ford, just put us into a pretty extreme lockdown, which... Honestly, probably for the best. We uh, definitely need to stay locked down considering how we've dealt with COVID so far. But that's uh, probably a little too political for the Gravescast, so we're going to move on. Yeah, COVID's not one of our topics not for, at all. Uh, for this episode. <laughs> we have a pretty jam-packed, tight episode. So The one thing I really want to address, uh, something that Wahlberg actually showed me quite a long time ago, which uh, came to be one of my favorite shows of all time now, is Chuck. And for those who are unfamiliar, uh, Chuck came out probably around between 2005, 2000, yeah, I think 2005, 2007. And it was a NBC sitcom uh, featuring just kind of a lovable geeky guy uh, who goes to Stanford, drops out, and ends up working in kind a place called Bymore, which is kind of like a best buy uh knockoff or parody and so it follows his adventures as he gets a computer injected into a brain that contains a lot of government secrets and then you see how the nsa and the cia both kind of take it into uh, their own hands to use him for their own not nefarious purposes but they're definitely using it for uh (laughs) their best interests so you kind of see how Chuck deals with that along with his two handlers, uh, John Casey and Sarah Walker. So one thing that's been addressed lately, and actually ever since the show's been taken off the air, was is there going to be a Chuck movie? And the fan base is pretty divided on it. I mean, a lot of people are definitely in favor of doing a Chuck movie, but some people just feel like it might be best to let it go. So, Jacob, as a you know, longtime fan of Chuck, as myself, um, what's your kind of stance on this? Are you looking for a Chuck movie? Hmm. Well, right off the bat, when it first came out, I was, uh, I guess for context, we need to add for everybody, we're not going to spoil the ending or anything, or I, I'm not, and I told, I'm not going to let Nick spoil it, <laughs> because if you've seen it, you know, you know what I'm talking about, you know how Chuck ends, if you haven't, then you should go watch the show, because uh, otherwise we might not... Well, actually, we're going to try to make sense here. For Even if you haven't had the show, it's kind of going to be us talking about, I guess, just follow-ups in general, remakes in general, and specifically, after a long time has passed, if you want to come back to that world after maybe 10 years has passed. Um, so... The cliffhanger end, it's kind of a bit of a cliffhanger ending, I guess you could call it, right, Nick? Because it's one of those, or I don't know if I'd go so much uh, cliffhanger ending as open-ended, disambiguous ending. 
uh, kind of like, you know, ending of Inception style, where it's really up to debate, up to the viewer's interpretation how it ends. Uh, but most people, I think I haven't really met any people who like how Chuck ends. Most people feel unsatisfied with the ending. Uh, you were saying to me earlier in your list of things that you'd want a movie sequel kind of deal to address would be the ending of Chuck and that lingering question you're left with. Um, but you know what? It has been quite a while. Uh, I was trying to figure out when the last episode of Chuck would have aired. It's probably been close. It's probably been... There was an anniversary recently, wasn't there? Yeah, it's got to be about a decade. They recently did a yeah. uh, table read where they pulled the cast back together and did kind of a uh, Zoom read with all the characters. Right. So it was nice yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. So I guess one of the first things you want to address with a remake or a sequel movie kind of thing after a long time has passed is like can we still do it or will people be put off by the decade time gap? Uh, especially if it's the kind of deal where they don't include any amount of time in the movie universe where it takes place where they're supposed to be still 30 or so, but they look 50. <laughs> and that kind of, kind of breaks the immersion for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, if you can look past it, then it's probably fine. But you also run into a lot of problems, like who's actually working on making the movie behind the scenes, right? Like who's writing, who's directing, who's producing? Oh, Are you going to have any of the same people working on it? Or is it just going to be, like, the same story, just, like, almost more like a, a fan fiction or just, like, a corporate sellout kind of thing? Um, and then even that, can they still capture all of that magic that they had before? So I would say that a movie sequel, a movie follow-up is always kind of risky. Uh, I mean, I guess that's not really an argument you can make specifically about sequels, or just about like long-delayed uh, long sequels, is, it? is that any kind of a sequel you have a little bit of risk. Is it going to be as good as the same one? That's a whole separate issue. But uh, with Chuck, um, it's a very good question. I can't really... I, if there was a, if a movie came out, I'd definitely go see it, no matter what. <laughs> no question, I need to see it. Will it make me happy, or will I be disappointed? That's the question, I guess, really. It's not, do I want... I guess if I, if I want it... I'd say the only way I'd want it would be if it was amazing, um, if it checked all my boxes. Really? So, yeah. I, if it's just going to, like, if you're just going to revisit a world that was amazing to me and it's not going to be as good, then I would say I'm not really all about it. Like, if, like, you know, you get sucked into something like a series or a franchise because you like the first one, and then even if you don't like the next ones, you'll keep watching them. And that's not really... Or you'll keep playing the games, whatever kind of thing, and that's not really what I want, especially in the show. That's one of my all-time favorite shows. Like, I want quality. I want innovation kind of thing. So, you know, if it was still the same Chuck, 
they, they also kind of have the challenge of putting a whole like story into just one like two hour long movie because the show was originally 40 minutes long like an hour long time slot when it aired correct I guess uh, so a lot of the time many of the episodes were just self-contained kind of the adventure style uh, but a lot of seasons featured overarching kind of conflicts I guess you could say um, again not going to get to spoil uh, territory but there are kind of recurring conflicts and enemies and such and such between episodes in the various seasons um, but while still working in the action and the comedy and the character banter and character development that they had in the TV show uh, a lot of I think the best storytelling probably came over the course of the episodes and the seasons like uh, the whole with Saw and the Ring, etc. Would you agree, Nick? I would agree with you. Um, yeah. Something to consider. What if instead of doing a movie, they did kind of a short TV continuation? Because me personally, uh, I've a mini series. Yeah, like maybe six, ten episodes. Hmm. Well, for viewers, Nick Graves has gone on record as saying he approves of the miniseries format. Um, and I think, I also think that in general, miniseries, pretty strong tool or weapon. Um, I could definitely see it happening as well. And I would think I would be a little bit more optimistic about that as opposed to a movie because of the ability to tell a bit longer of a story, episode through episode. Um, Agreed. And I guess just the longer time in general. Um, I would say that the shorter seasons of Chuck were some of the less well-received ones, and I would probably say that I enjoyed them less than the longer ones as well. Uh, season, I think season one was only around, what, eight episodes or so? Thirteen, I believe. Something like that. And season five was, I think, equally kind of short. Yep. Uh, the main seasons had, what, 20, somewhere in the 20 to 30 range for so seasons two, 20, three, and four. 22 episodes 20, for those and 13 for one and five. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think that even, I don't know, even if those issues that those seasons might have had were related to the leg, I don't think that was the case. I think that probably the first season probably just struggled a little bit because it was the pilot season. They were still figuring out a lot. And I still enjoyed the first season. Like, it's good enough to get you hooked, I found. And I liked it, even if I found that season two and three were where it really picked up. Uh, and season five, that was... I think it was post-cancellation, right? Like, it came back from being canceled and getting no ending. Oh, yeah, there's definitely... Do... I mean, the, the entirety of the show, it's been kind of a sinking ship the entire time, even since uh, season one. I think it was mostly, like, fan support and a subway campaign that brought it back, I think, season yeah, three, <laughs> season four, and season five. Right, yeah. So... Um... To answer your question, I would be optimistic about a miniseries. Uh, I don't think, I don't know how old any of the main actors are now. Ten years later, I don't, they're probably in their 
mid thirties or forties, if I had to guess, when they first started. So, would there be a bit of an age-related issue? Do you think? Uh, I don't know. I don't. Um, I don't. It think might we'd... be something. It no. could be something they could solve with makeup, or again, like you said, you can just, or maybe like I said, you can just do a time skip forward by a decade or so, if you want, uh, or they have the option to do that as well. So, yeah. I don't think you'd be um, addressing that. I think the issue would definitely be addressing kind of the surrounding aspects of it. Like, as you said, you know, it could just be a time jump. It could be 10 years later. I feel like with mm-hmm. the archetypes they've set out for each character, uh, they're able to still fulfill the roles. Like if you look at uh, Zachary Levi and uh, the new superhero movie that he was in, which is tied to, Shazam. Yeah, Shazam. If you, yes. if you see him in that, he pulls it off quite well. And I mean, he... From the little scenes that I've seen, he still looks like he keeps that youthful demeanor to him. Kind of right. that oblivious, youthful, I guess, right. need support type thing. Which, yeah. which Well, real- that's actually a fair point, is that they were actually quite young, I think. At least visually, they appeared quite young, at least at the beginning of the show. Now that you've mentioned that, it's been a long time since I've been able to see Chuck. Uh, I loaned the DVDs away and I don't believe that I, I either misplaced them myself or I believe that I could have never even gotten them back. Um, <laughs> but I, now you mentioned it, I do remember that at the beginning of the show our little chuckles was quite, quite the little goofball with his little hair and he did just look like he was barely out of his 20s. So um, I personally think that although with, it's a bit of a problem because if you go down the time jump route, that cliffhanger question that the you're left with, the most pressing question on everyone's mind, uh, that gets a little bit more difficult to deal with, I think. Um, but I think that time skip would probably be a good way to portray the actor, have the actors like portray themselves as a little bit older. Um, kind of thing, which would be a little bit easier for them to pull off, I would think. I would at their, you know, a decade later. <laughs> but. I would agree. I think the issue that you might come across is definitely how do you like, like you said, like you know, how do we portray them like ten years later? It comes yeah. down to to me. I think you know what I would actually be in favor of continuing the storyline actually in a negative fashion um, because I know a lot of people, you know, are looking for that happy ending, but Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a continuation off of that unless you were to reboot it and say, you know what, well, we want the next generation and have, (laughs) because we've seen that so many times, like Star Wars Uh and stuff like that. It's always the mentor, you know, they take more of a mentorship role. Same with uh, Rocky and Creed, I believe they've done as well. Rocky's no longer Mm -hmm. on the stage. He's sitting there and training Apollo Creed's son. They, they're, they, as they get older, they all take a step back. So I think maybe to address that, you take the more negative ending from the cliffhanger per se, and perhaps it's the type of thing where ten years later they're still they still uh, retain their relationship from you know season four, but uh, they've never completely cured that issue. So maybe this could be kind of uh, I know as cliche as it is, but like a one last mission type thing where, hey, you know what, we've finally got a cure, we need to spend 10 episodes pursuing it. And then at the end, that 10th episode, you finally get that resolution everyone wanted at the end of Season 5. 
Well, uh, I I don't know if I agree or disagree because I feel like um, I don't know. I would almost prefer to see a unrelated. It doesn't really matter to me, I guess, whether or not the movie it takes the negative, like you said, like the darkest timeline approach, where it goes with the work kind of the negative interpretation of how that final episode could have ended. Um, and then obviously the focus with, um, of the movie would have to be that black, that dark ending and trying to you know fix it, find a cure, that kind of thing. Uh, but I would also be just as okay with seeing a like a better kind of resolution. Um, I don't know, maybe they, 10 years later, they have kids or something like that, and I don't exactly know what the conflict would be, where that would come from. Uh, but it's... But either way, if it happens, I will be seeing it, and then we will be able to do an actual review after the fact. Um, so I, I guess there's not really a whole lot of use talking about something that might not even happen. But just in case it does, what are some things you would like to see out of a remake, whether that looked like a movie or a miniseries, Nick? And what are, in general, would you say some of the uh, pitfalls and traps that you might have in a remake or a sequel, and how do you avoid that? Uh, for a remake or a sequel, I think you definitely, first of all, has to be a miniseries. I don't think, I mean, full season, of course, like that's certainly possible, but translating it over to a movie format, I've found in the past, stuff like that tends not to be super successful. Uh, one thing that comes into particular is Blue Mountain State. They did a fantastic TV show for a few seasons and then tried to pivot it into a movie. And it just didn't, the you know 45 minute, 23 minute, whatever it was, storytelling structure just didn't really translate well over to that hour and a half. I feel like mm. having the, you know, miniseries format allows for that, you know, longevity aspect, allowing them to really go in depth with the character development rather than shoving it into an hour and a half. And I think that's what a lot of people are seeing nowadays since it seems like movies, don't get me wrong, are still very prominent, of course, but it seems like we're starting to get, you know, TV series, uh, movie series, or not, sorry, not movie series, but TV series or mini series that are really hitting the peaks that movies have. I mean, you look at stuff like Mandalorian and that's, to be honest with you, a pretty cinematic experience. And beforehand, you'd think that, you know what, this is only something I can see in the theater, but the silver screen's moving up. I, I think they're hitting pretty on par now. So I think when we come to the remake, they have to retain the same formula. Um, and once again, it just can't turn into the mentorship idea because if you're going to do a reboot, there's no sense in, or a remake, sorry, there's no sense in bringing in a lot of new characters. You're, you're really, it's, it shouldn't be a new thing. It shouldn't be like a, hey, you know what? We're doing this, and here's our new characters. Here's these 10 episodes. To me, that's kind of fruitless unless they're going to continue with it. Instead, I feel like it should just bring the viewer back to the time that they, like, 
imagine yourself 10 years ago watching the show or five years ago or whenever you watch the show you want to be brought back to that time period you want to think oh my gosh this was the music that was prominent at the time like oh my god you know i love this like nerdy humor you would not see that nowadays it's it's kind of a time machine back to the past that's the way I feel like they should portray it. Obviously, you know, you can sit there and update a couple of things, but it should kind of be fresh and not fully stick to the formula, but be formulaic enough so that we remember it. It's it's like going back to a food or a drink you haven't had in forever. It just brings back those memories, and that's how I feel like they should act in this. So I don't know if your opinion differs, but... Well, I would say that... Uh, you're describing one of two routes, really. That, like I said, that there's always when you're doing uh, coming back to something that's well established. Uh, your two options are, I guess, to kind of milk it almost. I would say, uh, really, just kind of like you said, use what people liked about the first one. The same, like you can't bring in new characters. You just kind of stick with what works. Um, what people liked, add some new stuff, but basically just stick with the same old, or alternatively just kind of try and shake things up, switch what you're doing, switch your themes, all of that kind of thing, and, you know, both are risky. You're not going to be able to make all of the fans happy either way what you do. Some people will want the same. Some people will say the same is boring, that it didn't age well. Um... But I would say that I agree with you that you want to, like, what you're looking for as the viewer is you're looking for the same, probably about the same thing you felt when you first started watching it that made you like it in the first place and make you keep watching it. So with Chuck, I would say that's kind of the humor, the character interactions, um... And so I agree with you that new characters in the Chuck universe probably would work well. In my opinion, really, the only... I would say to add on to your sticking with the same characters, there's no point adding new characters, is that if you're doing a sequel, the only reason to do a sequel is either the characters or, I guess, the established world that you've come up with with your movie with your uh, storytelling through your movie or through your book or whatever so if you want to go back to that you just kind of gotta gotta stick with what works right you gotta bring the characters back you gotta do do you really feel like the world exists outside the characters do you think you could yeah no i I feel like it's a very character that was was, yeah that was just a specific kind of statement if you've written like with books or with uh tv shows all that kind of thing that the world is interesting enough then a sequel makes sense about why you would revisit it and add new material to it and you know i find that with the sequel you kind of a lot of the time you'll end up missing the original characters if the original characters don't feature in it of course Uh, but that's no reason to have to keep them around all the time. There's no reason that a creator should be able to move on to new things. And a lot of the times, even if you're 
butthurt if you miss the old characters. A lot of times <laughs> it makes them good stuff. So I oh, think that you've got to do that. But with Chuck, there's really nothing other than the characters. Like, I wouldn't watch it about a new Intersect or anything like that. I found the Intersect concept was interesting, for sure, when it first came out. I enjoyed it. I think it was kind of new at the time. Um, but it's not interesting enough on its own. It was really the characters in combination with that that made it work for me. Of course. And I mean, nowadays I feel like the nerdy humor probably wouldn't fly as much. I mean, not it's not nerdy humor in general, but just the way they did it. Um, I, I just feel like it, it probably hit the, it was at the right place at the right time. And clearly mm-hmm. the viewer support, uh, supported that theory. But, um, nowadays I don't think kids would be as interested considering, I mean, in a way it is kind of a superhero. I'm not going to call it a superhero show, but it has some similar characteristics to the superhero show, which is something I didn't want to accept for a while, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the intersect is kind of like a superpower. And you know what? What was cool at the time? Now, you know what? You can get that on your iPhone. (laughs) No longer are we in a world of Zunes and, (laughs) you know, like Crown Vicks and shit like that, right? So Mm -hmm. it's it was right at the time, but now we're at a point where, you know what? I don't think people would be as interested. So, I mean, the fans will always have a spot for it in its heart, but... I don't think you'd gather much of a new audience. So as much as I would love to see a sequel or not a sequel, but you know, a continuation, a small miniseries, whatever, I'm not too, uh, confident about it. And honestly, they gave us enough as is. If you're, if you're not satisfied with the cliffhanger, uh, I don't know if you agree with this, but just end at season four. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, seriously, like they've always planned for cancellation. So season two, season three, season four, they were all written with having it be the end in mind. I mean, actually, specifically season three, halfway through, they didn't know that they were doing the last half of that season. They were supposed to get caught, like finished off halfway through. So Chuck versus the other guy was actually meant to be the last episode. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, they did see it coming. That's for sure. But yeah, I the first. I mean, I watched Chuck when I was pretty young. I think I was probably like a tweet. Not I was either a tween or a young teen. So I was pretty young, and I really couldn't handle the ending the first time I saw it. The cliffhanger, the open ended. I just hated it so badly but when I watched it as I watched it every time I watched it I still hated it (laughs) every time I watched the series it made me mad but every time I got a little bit less mad until eventually I was able to just accept it and it almost taught me a little lesson about uh, viewer interpretation of art because if I want it to end a different way, I'll just imagine it ending a different way. It's my story just as much as it's the author's because I'm listening to it and it exists in my mind, different from the version the author had when they wrote it. Uh, but I'd say it doesn't make it less valid. So um, that's kind of a whole different topic you could even go into, but we really don't have time for that. Of course, but <laughs> you mentioned uh, getting a different interpret, not getting a different interpretation of it, but understanding the value of having a different interpretation as you mature. 
So I think maybe this leads into another topic of, you know, maturing and having uh, friendships span over time. Because mm-hmm. I don't, I probably mentioned this before, but Wahlberg is actually one of my uh, oldest friends. We were friends uh, ever since grade seven, and now we're uh, quite a few years out of high school. Twenty-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're twenty-two, I believe, actually. Yes, I am. So, yeah. you're not yet. <laughs> long time, man. Long time. A little, little bit to go. I wanted before this. I wanted to work out what percentage of our lives we've known each other, but. I don't know if I have. I don't know if I have the information for these quick maths. Honestly, I don't know know if our viewers need to listen to us try and count for how long we've known each other. But let's just guess. How long would you say we've known each other? How long has it been since grade seven, Nick? Give it a couple of years. It'll probably be half our lives. It's grade seven. You're probably around what twelve years old. Uh, thanks. I don't know for sure, actually. It was about, what, eight or nine years ago? So, yeah, pretty close to half our lives, actually, by now. Yeah, we're hit- soon it will be half our lives. We're and- in about a decade right now. Mm-hmm. So, I guess let's kind of break down break down the question or break down the topic a little bit then, shall we? Yeah, so, I we're think- going to talk about how, I guess, you said you don't want to talk as much about what's friendships look like at different stages in people's lives right but you want to talk like not age by age but like you want to talk about how they change or uh, just, what's the specific way we're coming at this i think you know how we, viewers and for me how we uh kind of span over time and how it changes at that point and i would also be very interested in hearing how do you initially approach friendships? Because I think our styles might be a lot different in that regard. Oh, so if you'd like to start us off, how do you approach a new friendship? You walk down the street, you meet a guy named John. What happens? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I probably don't even know his name. Learn his name. The most I probably talk to him is I might say, hey, and that chance is really only realistically there if he has a dog that I want to pet <laughs> in the street. But uh, So what you're telling me I is was, one of the prerequisites for friendship is having a cute pet? No, because even if he has a dog, I'm just petting the dog and I'm probably moving on with my life. Uh, <laughs> I don't really know, for sure, to tell you the truth. Uh, most of my life, I haven't really tried to make friendships i'll just talk with people if they're around me and if they enjoy talking to me or they talk to me more i'll talk more back to them and then eventually we just i guess become friends uh but for me i would say i don't i guess it's probably different for everybody but for me it's mostly just i guess circumstance and coincidence really are you are you someone who's more of an open book then, or because a lot of people, you know, they tend to try and feel out a friendship. They won't just go out and say, you know what, hey, this is you know my life streams. This is all my struggles, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. A lot of people tend to unravel that out as time goes on because you know mm-hmm. they're afraid of judgment or something like that. So, are right. you that type of person, or do you just kind of lay everything out for people? Um, I don't really know for sure, to tell you the truth. Uh, I don't, wouldn't say that I really am all that conscious about what I'm looking for or feeling out or anything like that. Like, I wouldn't, I'm not specifically trying to 
learn anything about anybody. Um, I think it's probably like this for most people, is I guess I just kind of say that as you live your life, you notice things about the people around you, right? Like you notice the way they talk, you notice what they talk about, what interests them, what their kind of sense of humor is. These are all, and I guess these are all kind of things that it's a mix between what you can tell on first meeting someone and what you learn over time. Um, I'm sure that different people have different abilities to, like, I don't know, make a snap judgment about someone or, like, figure things out about someone or just reading the vibes they get from someone. I bet that everyone thinks to some degree that they have an ability to do it, uh, regardless of what their actual skill in it is. But, I mean, I just kind of see based off of how much like I enjoy talking to the person and how much it seems like they enjoy talking to me, I guess. Like if it seems like you want to be buddies and I like you, then we'll be buddies. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I guess it's kind of, I don't know. Uh, do you want to tell me a little bit about how you would answer the question and then we can compare? I just think like for myself, I, don't really tend to unravel. I just kind of go with the what you see is what you get type approach. Uh, I mean, as, for as time goes. For when it comes to other people. Oh, for myself. I mean, All right. don't get me wrong. Like there's obviously stuff you don't share with everybody and, you know, stuff you want to share with people that are close to you. But I've mm -hmm. always felt like it's best not to, you know, kind of unravel, like show like it, I mean, there's uh, there's obviously the type of thing where it's like, you know, know your audience, so you're not going to sit there and make these types of jokes around these types of people or something like that, but I've always felt like it's best to just kind of show my personality on the forefront. Like, I will, I'll joke around with you the same way I'll joke around with someone I've literally just met. I, I try and just yeah. show that, you know, this is me, and you know what, like, I think maybe I go through some adjustments as we go along, but I tend to try and just show, like, this is me, and you know what? I hope you like this type thing. Because uh, I've found I've gotten probably the most concrete friendships that way because I show them what I'm like, and in turn, I think I kind of reveal a little bit of confidence in them, and they kind of show back what they're like rather than... It's it's kind of like going through like a relationship. I mean, you, you start out, as you progress on, you get closer, da-da-da-da. I just, I just prefer to just like start it as is. Um, and there tends to be kind of a lot of, it, it seems like a lot of honeymoon periods. Like there's a lot of people that you'll meet and it tends to be like, oh, you know, we got this in common. This is great. We've got that in common. Oh my God. You know, we watch the same TV shows and you guys are great for a while. But then after, you know, a few months, you find it fizzles out. Have you ever had, uh, something like that? Um, no, not really. Definitely not. Um, I, um, I would say that I'm not really someone who's ever really put a lot of, like, too much effort or, like, extra effort, I guess I should say, into forming a friendship. Like, all of my friendships either, I guess, just happen naturally or happen based off of how much I'm talking to the other person or how much they talk to me, I guess you could say. Uh, but I guess, no, I, I've never really, like, never really had a friendship that just 
kind of fizzled out like that, like that, that you were saying. Um, and I guess to, now that I understand your question a bit more, I don't really know if I'd say that I'm someone who acts dif- like who acts differently. I guess around different audiences. That's actually kind of a bit of a let's almost more of a different question that I had considered for us tonight. Uh, the question of what do you think of the idea that everyone is a different person in different situations around different people and who would you say is the real person? But for yourself, you're saying there's only one person. You don't have any different kinds of a mindsets or anything like that, different personalities or anything like that. For yourself, it's just one Nick Graves in any situation, at work, at the bank, at the club. You you obviously get variations, but I think in general it tends to be like more of an 80-20 split. Like you might get 20% variation, but all in all, it's the 80% of what you see is what you're going to get type thing. Right. Well, I guess it's probably like that for most people. I think that everyone's the same person, but I think most people, you might be an exception, I guess, but I think that most people act differently in different circumstances or around different people uh, it's common, I, or I don't know if I'd necessarily say it's common. I know, I, I know it's something I do, and when I learned about the actual psychology behind it, it was interesting that people will like mirror other people. They'll mimic speech patterns, they'll mimic body language, all that kind of thing. Um, to just, I don't know, I guess probably on a psycho- psychological level, it's to fit in and based around the idea that people like things that are more like themselves to the point where people will even, like people will display a preference in their animals towards physical features that kind of look like themselves. Um, <laughs> people will get pets that look like them, like people have a preference for that kind of thing that they've confirmed in studies. But the point is, is that I've noticed that I do talk differently around different people, depending on combinations of people, stuff like that. Um, So I don't know. I guess you probably feel like you're too legit to quit (laughs) because you never, there's not a whole lot of adjustment. Um, But I don't know. I guess... If everyone has a different percentage of how much is consistent and how much changes with who they're around, definitely more changing than 20. Like, I don't know if I'd be 60-40 or what I would be. Uh, If anyone in the stream knows me, they could comment what they think. The split between me that doesn't change and me that changes between when I'm around different people uh, that would be fantastic, <laughs> sure. but I don't. I don't really know for sure to tell you the truth. Maybe sixty forty. I might be different around other people, but I don't really think that I try to act differently or anything like that. I'll just. I don't know. Like I might things about the way I talk, all that shit might change, but um, I wouldn't say that I really like censor myself or try to come across differently 
maybe the only thing, only difference might be that I might be uh, more polite uh, or something. I don't really know for sure. But chat says that I am 0% the same, 100% different around other people. <laughs> so I, I guess I'm just a social chameleon, man. Uh, I think you're pretty consistent. <laughs> I mean, then again, once again, we only see one version of you when we're around you, right? So I think That's in the true. end, it's only... Uh, one person that can really determine that, which is yourself. Yeah, that's true. But really, which, per, which one of those people are you? Are you the you for when you're around your family? Is it you when you're? it's just you and your girlfriend, you and you're with your buddies? Mm. Who knows for sure? But uh, I would say that it really just... I think that's probably a combination of them. I don't really know for sure. I don't think that it's, I don't know if I, I don't know. It could be more authentic or it could be less authentic versions of you depending on who you're with. Uh, but who knows? Who knows if you even really know, I guess it's something to do some deep soul searching about if you really feel like it. Well, I mean, they always do say you are the average of your five friends. So Perhaps mm. that isn't the most uh, accurate version of yourself, right? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We're the average of us, uh, or we're the average of the four streamers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no. ourselves. Oh, for sure. Uh, now, another thing I did want to touch on is you mentioned earlier about your friendships being kind of coincidental or random, I believe you said. I have always had a different theory on it. I've always felt like friendships are, I mean, everyone knows this. Friendships are based off of commonalities. But to me, I've mm -hmm. always felt like you need to keep at least like one to two, maybe even three uh, commonalities consistent to remain friends. Just in the way of if you guys lose that commonality, like let me just say something like residence. Uh, for me, I made, you know, a bunch of friends in residence because, you know, we were all living in the same residence. It was, hey, what are we going to go grab from the, you know, the dining table? What are we going to play? Are we going to play pool? Are we going to play on the arcade machine? Whatever. And then when we all moved out of residence, there was only some of them that I still talked to because some of them, the only commonality was residence. And once I lost that, I kind of lost the friendship. Whereas there's some other people where it's like, oh, well, we like the same eSport or, oh, we watch the same TV shows. So there was enough to kind of grip on to remain friends. But for those other people, it just seemed like the only thing we really had left without that commonality was kind of the memories, right? So mm -hmm. do you feel like those kind of commonalities are needing to be consistent for okay. the friendship to remain well, a real thing? Not a real thing, but... Yeah. What I would say is that I think that, uh, I don't know, common circumstances, commonalities, certain interests, uh, as you call them, all that stuff is what is most important for forming a friendship. But I think that what determines the longevity of a friendship, how long it lasts, whether or not it'll withstand those things like graduating high school or moving out of residence is a combination of commonality, you know, convenience and shared interests still forming a bit of the underlying part of it. But I would kind of more say 
that what determines if it, a friendship will continue and how long it will last is more based off of emotional investment, I would say, okay. I think, is my, what I believe or what I am arguing right now, at the very least, in that whether when you start a friendship, it'll be based around something, whatever starts at your shared interest, your being in the same class, etc., etc., whatever makes you guys be coincidentally close enough in your lives to become start becoming friends. And then how deep your emotional investment is, I would say how close friends you become and stay is just kind of based off of, I don't know, how well you get along, really, how well you like each other, how compatible you are with your, I don't know, your senses of humor, the things you like to do for fun, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that determines, that's, I would say, plays a bigger factor about whether or not you still stay friends. Uh, because, I mean, I also, don't get me wrong, you're shared history that you have with your friends, I would say for your hypothesis that you need three commonalities, I would say if that's even a word. I don't really know if it is or not. I'm going to type it into the oh, dictionary it totally is. when I have them say it. Okay. Well, hold on, hold on. You, you, just no said, you just said that you think sense of humor and you know enjoying the same types of things are important and are those, are those not commonalities? Commonalities don't have to be like, yeah, we both watch Riverdale or something like that. Commonalities can just be, you know, we enjoy the same, we, ha we have the same like political opinion. We have the same sense of humor, stuff like that. If you lose that, I mean, do you really still have the friendship? I would, I would also counter you with, you say it's the emotional impact, but if you're in a relationship, you obviously have strong feelings for the other person, or I mean, in a lot of cases you do, but people still end up breaking up because they realize, hey, you know what, we're really not the same people anymore, even though I still, you know, really love you and have all these emotional feelings towards you, we're not as compatible as we once were. So mm. could that not be the same thing for friendships? Well, I would, I, you're kind of making a bit of a, I don't I, it's, on one hand, it's a good argument, but on the other hand, it's a little bit... Um, I have a couple of criticisms, which is that I don't really find that a couple... Like, I don't think that these person, a lot of these personality traits change all that much throughout your life. Uh, perhaps in between like when you're a child growing up, but I don't really think that adults hum senses of humors will change all that much like i think it's possible but i think that like once you have grown up a lot of your characteristics aren't really going to be flip-flopping like that um but sure if you want to if you want to include things like um like that then I don't know, because what's the same sense of humor? What's the same political, like, I don't really know. Because also, if you want to make that argument, I'm pretty sure you can find three things that any two people have in common. Like, I'm sure that humans aren't 
so diverse that there's not three things they have in common. They all have tongues. They all have feet. Hey. I shouldn't say that. That's not true. Hey, Most mean, of them. Th- this is just a new from- podcast idea. Pull on a different guest each week, find three commonalities. <laughs> <laughs> We're now best friends and we'll never stop being friends ever. Oh, hell yeah. But I, I think there's also something to uh, you know argue with sustainability. I mean, if we both like, you know, like, let's say both of our senses of humor leads us to enjoy something like Kevin Hart. So we talk about Kevin Hart all the time. We make jokes about Kevin Hart and then Kevin Hart stops doing comedy. And then it's like, okay, we have a similar sense of humor, but what's our baseline? What are we talking about that incor- that can incorporate that sense of humor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think it might be a little bit beyond the scope of this podcast to look at that in depth, at the foundations of a friendship and all of that. Um because, I don't know, I mean, I guess if you really want to look at it closely, like, what your friendship is, is every day you spend with the person, right? Every interaction with them, every time you see them at school, every time you see them at your house, every time you text them, every time you appear on their podcast kind of thing. So it's like, what is the actual, like, foundation of the friendship? Like, what's the skeleton? Um... I mean, I guess maybe the skeleton would be what your interests are, what you're like as a person, but then the actual, I don't know, this is a bit of a funky metaphor, but I guess the muscle would be like every interaction you have with someone, like whether or not you're having fun when you're hanging out, what exactly you're talking about, what you're doing, will determine how strong your muscles are, I guess. And I guess if you want to stay friends and stay healthy, you need, a strong skeleton and healthy muscles. I don't know. <laughs> I'll give you that. Um, maybe we're maybe the relational basis or the commonalities, as we said, are you know pretty widespread. Like I, I can point out a couple examples where some of my friends, you know, some of the commonalities just being able to hold that conversation on you know different topics. I mean, there's some right. people who you know talk about friendships over time or something it's you know a two-minute conversation but here we are having you know that half an hour conversation i think being Mm -hmm. able to sustain you know a deeper conversation is a commonality so i mean (laughs) (laughs) i i think it's a wide net man yeah that's true well everyone's different right like everyone will have characteristics about them that you like and I think most people will probably have at least one or two things that you might not like. Uh, it's probably a little bit optimistic to think that every, you can have people, even if they're your best friends or your partner, who not a single thing they ever do never rubs you the wrong way at all. Like, I don't know, it could be something as simple as you don't like the sound of their chewing, you don't <laughs> like the way they walk. But, you know, everyone's, like, balanced by the things you do like. Your friends probably are the people who have the most things that you do like that they do and the least things that you don't like that they do. Um, And everybody's probably willing to put up with a couple of things that they don't like about their (laughs) friends until they get to be too much compared to the things they do like. But, yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, But, yeah, no. I, I, I just... I've always felt that as time goes on, you know, I, I think you need those commonalities, but I don't know, man. 
I mean, everyone seems to have a different stance on this. Everyone being you and me, yeah. I suppose. How would you kind so. of uh, sum up your stance on that then? And that's a good question. I guess we could even break it down to a more simple question, which is what determines if you'll stay friends with someone or not. I so, will stand by my judgment of two commonalities. <laughs> that was three. Oh, two to three. I said one, two, yeah. or three. One, two, or three. One, you'll be you'll be acquaintances. Two, you'll be pals. And three, <laughs> you'll be best buddies. Hey, hey, don't misquote um, me, Fox News. <laughs> well, what's your top my, line? Uh, to answer my question, I would say. Um, really, uh, I'd say it's probably a combination of how, how much you want to stay friends, because look at us, even after high school, almost none of us went to the same university. All of us went to different cities and different, uh, institutions for our post-secondary education. And after four years of not being in the same school, we're all still playing games together. We're all still featuring on each other's <laughs> live streams. Uh, and I would say that that's because we all wanted to remain friends. We all uh, value their friendships enough to want to maintain that because all it takes for someone, for people to stop being friends is for one of those two people to stop like trying pretty much. Takes two to take yeah, as well as, like, how good the quality of your interactions are. Because I think that, like I said, like, your bones are how well you guys get along. Um, can even be the commonalities between you two. But I would also say that, like, if you're not... I mean, there's, like, a lot of probably similarities between a romantic relationship and friendship, I would imagine. Like, if you really... This isn't the focus of the podcast, but if we were focusing on it, I would feel like there's a lot of those similarities. You guys previously touched on love languages in the previous... <laughs> oh, yeah. Previous... Uh, <laughs> previous podcast. Uh, so you might probably... Most friendships might not have that same touch is how they sew effects in but you might I mean, you might have friendships I mean, where they hug yeah. you might have friendships where you'll have a pat on the shoulder and i have seen both male like male and male and female female and other combinations like all the different combinations with just those uh those two genders because i haven't met very many people from any other genders because we're both from a very small town where there's not a ton, but a little bit, that I haven't seen personally anything other than all of the different combinations or permutations of male and female friendships, uh, showing affection through touch, through hugs or cuddles. You know <laughs> what? There, there's nothing wrong with Dungeons and Dragons and Makeouts. <laughs> Well, that's a little bit different from what we're doing. We're also all locked down here, so it have to be virtual makeouts. <laughs> that's <laughs> even more sad somehow. Zoom makeouts. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. There, there that's is a. Uh, I guess Twitch does fulfill that in some ways, depending on which streams you go to. <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah. 
But, like, yeah, I was just saying that's kind of based off of, I don't know. I mean, quality time, I know it's a love language, but for me, quality time is any time you're spending having fun and enjoying your time. So I would say that if you're not able to, like, you don't even necessarily need to still be able to hang out with your friends, but if you're not able to go see them occasionally, if you're not even able to keep, like, talking to them and have a nice fun talk on the phone or even by text because we can have you can have it where you like can have a good time just having a good talk discussing with someone over a chat or in discord or something like that but yeah uh, it depends on like you know how compatible you are with all of your uh, with your similarities that you said um, and I will report it if someone has, you will probably not be friends with someone who is your polar opposite in every single conceivable way. <laughs> if, if they have different, completely opposite sense of humor, sense of like decorum, how they act, all that stuff is so completely different from you. Yeah, I think that you probably won't become friends based off of common sense and psychology. But I would say that's also important to like you know, maintain that friendship somehow. And we've, we've, I think that we've all had friendships. Like, I think that a lot of friendships can go a couple years where they can stay on pause or put on hold. That wasn't the case with us. No, uh, we've of course been not. consecutively friends with we've met since we've met, other than brief scuffles that we might have had, but I don't think we've ever stopped being friends. I have certainly never sent the words, I am not your friend anymore. Better not. And You're I not going to break the record now. I have not. <laughs> I was on the record, and no one can prove me wrong because it is the truth. Unless <laughs> I'm certain that no one could ever get, ever. well, they could testify. It would be false testimony. Oh, of course. <laughs> Either way, so yes. But you can have friendships that you don't talk to them, and... You can go back to seeing them. You can rekindle them for sure. Uh, and you can go back to where you were at that same point. Uh, but on the other hand, I think that most people probably have a bit of an expectation for the other person, like for there to be a bit of reciprocation on that kind of thing. So I guess... Moral of the story is, you know, don't take advantage of your friends or anything like that. I think it's well said, that's for sure. Um, now, kind of on the topic of sustainability, uh, one thing we did want to touch on was, uh, I kind of had this revelation the other day, and you know what? You guys can write in, you guys can comment on Twitch, you guys can... Leave uh, voicemails, yeah. don't forget that. <laughs> Leave voicemails. If you find my email, you can email me, go ahead. Um, but I, I firmly believe that as, you know, like 21, 22 year olds, we're kind of in the meat of social media right now. And I almost feel like we might be like one of the first generation, not the first generation per se, but we're, we're at the start of being able to kind of preserve your presence, preserve your life, preserve snapshots digitally, just in regards to social media. And 
just in regards to, I mean, like you used to have it where, I mean, you still do where photos, you look through the photo albums, you see, oh my gosh, you know, there's my dad on his first first birthday. Uh, There's my grandma, you know, at a party or something like we have had that before. Uh, Those are obviously snapshots of the life, but now we have those like in the moment type stuff where, you know, you can see what I'm thinking at, you know, 10.05 a.m. on Wednesday, May the 30th, 2011 or whatever. And it's such a precise snapshot that I feel like we didn't fully have before. So this is something that if we leave these types of things up, we can have this around for a long time. This could even be something that our kids end up seeing. And mind you, I really don't want my, you know, grade five Facebook post to be brought up back again, but uh, it's, it brings up an interesting conversation of, do we really want to preserve our lives digitally in that way? How, how do you feel about that, Wahlberg? Uh, well, before we get into that, I have to say, to add on to what you said earlier, that if, uh, if anyone wants to email you, the email address is gmail.com. That's showing my, you know, like so grade two one. presence. I'd rather not show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, well, I guess you could actually delete the email account, but until you delete that, it's there forever. Yeah, right? Go, go ahead, boys. Go right. ahead. And that's the topic that we're talking about is, well, I guess it's kind of two parts is you can isolate the technology from the social media part. And if you isolate the whole issue, like if you isolate the topic of having a time capsule, being able to preserve memories for your future self, your kids, future generations, the only thing that technology does for us is make us be have a lot easier of a time doing it because we don't have to develop film anymore to take pictures. We can have digital pictures that we can store and back up. Uh, for that, you know, you'd have to, not everyone even had cameras, like, before cameras became popular. So, like we've said, the way, before, for hundreds, no, not just hundreds, for thousands of years, there was no such thing as pictures. There was, the only way you could preserve what someone looked like was painting them. So, and it's only been for maybe what the lot I don't actually know when photography was invented. I'm not really a history person when it comes to <laughs> the timeline of historical inventions. But for less than two hundred years, I think, probably, uh people have well it could have been earlier. I think that for like original photography wasn't like quite the same. But regardless, doesn't matter. Are you are people you telling me have... you didn't see the Kodak photo of Jesus on the cross? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be worth some real money if you were oh time gosh. travel. Billions. But yeah, that that's actually you're joking, but that's a good point, is that like because of this, we have no idea what Jesus really looked like, other than maybe if there's some descriptions in the Bible. But that's quite different from an actual picture that we can now take that maybe people's grandparents or great-grandparents were the first people who could actually be captured that way as opposed to someone's drawing of what they looked like. And, you know, for many thousands of years, most people didn't know how to write. So the option of even keeping a diary or a journal was out of reach for most people. Like, 
literally in ancient times the only way you could preserve any sort of your memories, anything like that, was through drawing on the walls of your cave <laughs> through cave painting because you don't have language. I guess. When you develop language, you can, you know, pass on stories. And storytelling was literally the only method of preserving memories, preserving your essence, that kind of thing. So on that front, it's really kind of amazing how technology allows you to capture these memories and stories. Um, but the kind of other side of it, the part that we that had isolated, that we've been talking more about is social media. Is how is social media going to fit in to our preserved memories and our histories? And that question is, is that when we're 60, 70, 80 years old and we're parents, grandparents, or even great-grandparents, is assuming these companies, you know, don't go under or anything like that, because there still needs to be them hosting your pictures, your Facebook videos, your TikToks. Um, assuming that they're still up, is your question? Your questions like, are we going to show our grandchildren the TikToks we made? Oh my gosh. <laughs> are we going to show our grandchildren our MLS ice bucket challenge that we did when they were their age? And the answer for me is going to definitely be no. <laughs> oh, come <Because> on. <laughs> Facebook is going to be deleted so quick. Uh, should have been deleted already. I don't know what's the matter with me. Um, I mean, but... you know what? If if there's any mutuals in chat that are interested in your Facebook, I mean, it seems like now would be the time to scroll through to the bottom and see what they could unearth. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you already looked at, I thought you said you already looked at my Facebook, oh, but you course. already found enough of your cringeworthy stuff. Dude, they're so bad, I mean. But yeah, I never, I've only ever posted, the number of things I've ever posted on all of my social medias is probably under 20 posts. Total. Oh, you've got, you've got so way really more than you expect. Stuff, really from back in the day, because I trust me, man. Post that much. You're, you're ranting on about the walking dead. Stuff. I was. <laughs> yeah. um, Dude, don't, I, I mean, I, actually the walking dead, I know it was freaking the walking dead was a big deal back before sequel season fatigue but yeah so i don't know it's i feel like probably most people would say no i don't want to do that that's cringy but who knows i mean <laughs> maybe i should make a specific album called <laughs> for them whippersnappers or something like that uh I mean that does that does <laughs> kind of make some people sharing their saving their meme file for their future generations God. that will really really not go over well because I don't think that memes have that long of a shelf life. But. Not at all. <laughs> Even though the definition of meme is supposed to be like an idea or like a joke that's carried through time, <laughs> which probably not the case for most of these. Well, yeah, but character it, time just means it lasts, I don't know, it lasts more than one second, yeah. less than an infinitely small nanosecond, but yeah. Oh, of course. 
But I mean, I think one of the bigger questions too is, you know, obviously like back then when we were first getting Facebook, you know, being naive, like fourth, fifth, sixth graders, I mean, we obviously posted what we were feeling at the time, which is kind of what I was looking at. But as we go on, I mean, I'm not posting anything anymore. I mean, don't get me wrong. You do kind of have the podcast here as an audio diary. So that could kind of move on and reflect my thoughts at the time. But I haven't posted on Facebook in such a long time, or at least not as much frequency, right? Like it might be like one repost or one post a year. And I don't even think you post on anything anymore, really, do you? And, well, when you say anymore, you mean I stopped in what, grade eight? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. No, not really. I don't. I um, I don't know between the two of us who is more against social media. Probably you because you're like. Oh, man, I'm just against TikTok. You, just against TikTok. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I don't really like any social media. I um, actually only have them because it, it is a convenient way of communication for people to use the messaging feature. Yeah, but it's somehow somehow that still means that we all have to have like Snapchat, Instagram and all that. Like, no, it's not just, you know, let's all have Facebook. It's let's have like, you know, five different platforms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the whole, the free market or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I wish that I kind of want to hear more people's opinions about this. This is, uh, this might have to replace some of my old go-to party questions <laughs> this one's actually a lot more fun than do you th- what do you think of catholic school funding in ontario uh i just realized after i said that 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 was a huge bombshell for me to even bring the topic up of on stream oh whatever uh, in case i ever have a political career <laughs> which i wasn't really planning on but it's just don't worry we'll we'll, we'll wow. remove the episode <laughs> That's the, like, nuclear question, I think. Uh, But I have not stated any opinions about it either way, so I guess I'm safe as long as we forget that I said those words. Um, Hey, if you ever become the head of the Catholic school board, I'm totally bringing (laughs) this up. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, no. But also, to be able to actually keep social media for future generations this social media has to stay around right like if twitch or i guess actually the gravescast is safe because it's on anywhere that your favorite podcasts are available there we go but but facebook if facebook goes out of business because the everyone's like, hey, it's now illegal to sell user data, we're finding you, <laughs> then there goes my ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. They've wiped the servers. It's gone. Thank goodness. Oh, man, it ain't uh, even yours, man. It's Ryan's. <laughs> then I, I thought I did one. Uh, it's well. probably further back. I didn't go that far. Uh, don't thank worry. God. That's better. The one that Ryan does is fine. I don't. That's not nearly as cringe. No, probably uh, not. <laughs> Either way, though, um, yeah. If they go, if they go out of business, you know, if the servers stop hosting this information, or even if they're like, we're just going to wipe all of our servers to save space, then there goes your precious memory. <laughs> there goes my precious album to show my grandchildren. I mean, there's actually like there actually is some good stuff. Like if I 
only like I don't have a lot of other pictures in a lot of places, but uh, there are family pictures of Facebook of things like family dinners of my aunt, my parents, like all that kind of thing. So I mean, this kind of goes back to the whole technology is great because it's enabling us. Uh, social, I mean, also like you don't really want to give your your fit precious family memories to these companies because they'll start charging you five bucks a month for keeping them or something and then they'll delete them if not dude the pokemon Uh, home of the social world yeah exactly if they realize they're important to you (laughs) (laughs) like your precious precious gen 2 chart dude it'll it'll just be like the lorax where they start uh fucking charging for air fresh air yeah exactly so don't want that don't want to have it all on one place and then have that place go out of business. You should still probably have like a flash drive or something like that or back them up to various clouds. Like, I don't know. Don't get mad at me (laughs) or don't get mad at the Gravescast if all of your precious TikToks that you were going to show your grandchildren get deleted because Vine buys out TikTok or something, Vine 2.0. If you ever make a TikTok, by the way, I hope you have to show your grandkids that. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it's... I'm so curious how the humor will change in, like, fucking even 10 years, man. It's... Hmm. It, it's interesting. You're, so you're not a fan of TikTok. You're going on record. As no, saying, going on record. It's the worst humor we've had in like generations. Uh, well, okay. I'm not going to say generations because there's some pretty uh, bad shit out there. But bringing yeah, that yeah. up, uh, something I was curious about asking because you did mention the Catholic school board thing. So no, we're not going. No, to no, 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 no. We're not going to the Catholic school board. <laughs> but I mean, cancellation wise, is that something we would all have to be scared of? Like, call it cancel culture, call it consequence culture, call it whatever you want. I'm pretty sure I made my opinion known here. But um, just in general, like, are we going to get to a point where, you know, you make a joke about the Catholic school board now, and then in 50 years, or not 50 years, let's even say like 20 years when you're trying to get like a management position, they're like, yeah, you know what, we here support the Catholic school board, and we heard what you said when you were 22. Like, is that something we have to fear? Well, you see, I don't have to fear that because I didn't make a joke about the Catholic school board at all. That was not what I did. Uh, my management position is still secure. For argument's sake. All I did was reference the fact that uh, for all of our viewers who don't know, because they're either not from Ontario, not from Canada, or just don't know this because Catholic school board funding is not something that interests them personally. I just get interested by weird things like uh, the Canada goose and (laughs) things like Catholic school board funding. All I did was reference the fact that the only school board that fully fu- or the only province that fully funds only one denomination of religious uh, education is Ontario and their religious school boards, um, which I can tell you guys right now is you might think 
this will go over well at parties. This will be a hip topic. It'll get everyone engaged in fun discussion. But uh, it actually doesn't work out that way when you bring it up. I wouldn't put it that high up on my list of party conversation topics for viewers. Uh, but I don't know. I can't see into the future. But it is very possible that because of the online world, you might get bitten in the ass by things you say that are regrettable that you didn't know better at the time because you were stupid and you learned better. Or even because maybe it was acceptable at the time because that was just the cultural climate and now it's not anymore. Uh, so I don't really know, but I really should have used a fake name when coming on. <laughs> So that I could have been a little bit safer, except because, uh, as all of our viewers have heard, we are from the same small town, uh, full of very few people, uh, that anyone who heard me coming on could probably find my identity, especially because uh, I am familiar and in the same social circle as most of the other co-hosts on the podcast. Oh, for sure. So not really a lot of protection in my anonymity. I was going to use a voice modulator, but... So needless to say, you would be concerned that 20 years in the future we do experience cancel culture because of, you know, our old Facebook posts. Um, now, now, hold, yeah. hold on. Let, because, let me, let me give you the alternative. Maybe, maybe you talk about? about the Catholic school funding, and in 20 years, when Catholicism has just been abolished, people look at you as a savior, someone who spoke yeah, on it before people, your people time. People never get famous for the things that they said right. People only get in trouble for the things they said wrong. No yeah. one cares if you make a really nice speech about how racism is bad. People only care about the fact that you did blackface when you were in your 30s because, I mean, it's a whole separate issue because that is a pretty stupid thing to do and just why did you do that? I mean, but also, was it really okay at the time? Is that the world you were in? I don't know, but we're getting way too political and we're starting to run out of time, so we should probably segue into the other half of the virtual Yes, the other half being the preserving your name digitally, going into the virtual afterlife. Not only preserving your memories, but preserving yourself as a whole. Yeah, so we're moving on. This is not about the TikToks you made in 2021 this is about the tiktoks that you're still pumping out in the year 31500 <laughs> 31500 you heard me right i said that wrong when i was saying it but we're actually moving about 28000 years into the future we for this we're going to be not touching on the realism of whether or not it's possible to put yourself in some sort of a virtual format, having a virtual consciousness. We're just going to be acting as though it is possible because I believe that, you know, anything is probably, well, not anything is possible, but 
it seems like something that should be possible with enough uh, time, technology, science, research, and it's even something that they're starting to work on now, right? With uh, with Elon Musk's Neuralink. Oh, of course. But, so, so, what do you yeah. see the virtual afterlife being? What's your interpretation of what a virtual afterlife would be? Well, a virtual afterlife is just a virtual afterlife is anything where you're existing outside of a physical reality. You're existing in a computer of some kind. Um, but to tell you the truth, what I see virtual reality, what I see virtual afterlife as being is I see virtual afterlife as being very, very similar to the point where we could be living a virtual afterlife right now, you and I, and not knowing it. So to start off the topic, I want to actually talk about an interesting... uh, it's not a hypothesis and it's not a theory, really. It might be called, he might have called it a theory, but it's really just more of a thought experiment, which is the idea that if any civilization, really, but if humans were to get advanced enough to be able to simulate the world, to be able to make a simulated reality for whatever reason, uh, what are the odds that our reality that we see right now is not already a virtual reality? How would we know that what we're in right now, how do we know that you and I didn't die decades, centuries, even millennia ago, and we're in a virtual afterlife right now where every time we die, we get to choose what we do. We can choose whether or not we want to live a normal life, whether or not we want it, like, you can customize it to your own, to, to your heart's content. If you want to live a fantasy Dungeons and Dragons playthrough, uh, so probably, I would normally say to get outside a little bit more, but if you're in a virtual afterlife, I think that ship has already sailed. So, you know what, you're already dead, why not? You want to live you want to experience my extremely well-received Dungeons and Dragons campaign in a virtual life, and you can do that. You want to see, like, the world at that point is literally your oyster. Like, you can live any kind of life, any series of lives you want. Um, but there's a couple of couple of details about it that are important to consider, right? Because if you're in a virtual reality, if it's your virtual consciousness, are you still you? Do you still exist? Are you even the same you as you were originally? Or are you just a clone? And obviously there's the whole fact of I don't have a body anymore. And there's, these are a lot of good questions, right? These are a lot of things that's like, okay, uh, is this really as good as it seems? And even if it's as good as it seems, is it really okay? Is it really good okay, enough? Okay, is it what really, way? like, real? Like, it, <laughs> well, you see, that's actually a good question, right? Because, like, is it okay um, for me to do it? Is it okay for me to 
join this virtual afterlife. There's a lot of problems with it, even separate from the whole religious issue of it. Well, um, I think because, if yeah, keep it, keep I think ahead. if you look from the technological aspect, what are we considering here? Are we considering that this is going to be something like VR? Is this something where, I mean, if we're in a virtual afterlife, we are going to have to be maintained, at least, you know, as we know it right now, right? Like, All right. You, you... Well, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. There's two, so there's, obviously, I'm not the guy who's developing this. I don't have, I'm not selling you on a pitch for the Jacob Wahlberg Eternity permanent virtual heaven machine or something like that. Uh, but I guess I guess there's almost two roots for it then, or probably more, but I'll just break it down into two cases here for what you're saying, is do you, do you still have a physical body or do you only exist in a virtual sense? Has your brain been like scanned, that kind of thing, in your thoughts created as code in the video game? I call it a video game. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty much the best way of looking at it right now. But yeah, really, just I guess you could think of it as a video game. Um, like you can choose what to play, but you're really living it. But I guess it's kind of more than that in a lot of senses because there's just could do with it. Both like right and wrong, both good and bad, because uh, I'm not going to say whether or not it's better to have an actual to still exist physically. Um, I come, to, I guess, come to think of it, there wouldn't be a reason not to. I guess in that kind of a scenario, you're kind of thinking like a brain in a tank or something funky, creepy, sci-fi like that. But you are still, or even like I don't know, you're in some kind of a stasis machine where you're really old, but your body's kept alive artificially. Um, or is your brain just completely made out of computer code? I mean, I, th uh, I think it'd probably be the preservation of your brain, right? Like, there's no sense in having your body there. The virtual afterlife would probably... I mean, if, if you're looking from a bodily aspect, then it would probably replicate the different nerve endings and stuff like that. So, you know, when you grab an apple, you feel that texture of the apple. It's your brain sen yes. sending the signal, right? So Yes, but like I said, we're really kind of skipping past the physical, uh, realistic aspect of it because um, I guess almost a good way of imagining it right now is back to my original thing is who, like, what if right now we were already in the digital afterlife? What if our entire world and our entire reality as we knew it was just like a computer simulation and this is this is a like really I guess kind of a prominent philosophy question right people always ask it you've heard this kind of thing is what if like are we always fake and it's all a simulation not to you know spoil the matrix for anybody <laughs> well, but that's course. not a spoiler because that's the entire concept of the movie but really when you th if you really think about it, the reason why there's not like the reason why that question doesn't keep me up at night is because I could be and I wouldn't know. And if I if, if something could be and there's no way of me knowing it, what does it matter to me? Like what whether or not my reality is real and made of real atoms 
doing real atomic things or whether it's all just an incredibly detailed simulation, what really is the difference? I can't tell the difference. And, like, what I'm saying is that, like, if there's no way for you to know, what does it matter, I guess, really? Yeah. Like, really, if, if we were in a simulated world, if none of us had ever truly been, like, say this was a simulation not even based off of real people, say that everyone, every creature in this simulated world was created artificially from code or from an artificial intelligence or something like that. Just because even if that were to be objectively true, it doesn't make, like, my life meaningless just because that, like, it doesn't change anything. It's just that just because that's how it is doesn't mean, doesn't change what I see and how I feel. So that's why I think that doesn't really matter. It doesn't, I don't think that there's, like, in that sense, I can't really say that there's a difference between reality and the simulation. Uh, But also, and we haven't touched on this yet, but um, what is the, if the alternative is death, then (laughs) I don't think it's really that much of a a choice to make um, because I personally don't believe in any afterlife. I believe that the only thing beyond the grave is Beyond the Graves cast, my follow-up yeah, review talk show. podcast, talk show to the Graves cast. But um, the more I thought about it after my friend said that you, the uh, like, if anyone is advanced enough to create an artificial reality at any point in time, how will we know if we're in the artificial reality or the true reality? is past that I was thinking that actually almost every afterlife story could be explained to be completely true on the principle of our reality being a virtual reality, you know, reincarnation, heaven, all of that. Uh, Like I can't personally believe in anything like that because I don't feel that it's physically possible. Like, there's no way for me to science... Like, there's no reason for me to believe in something I can't see. Um, And that's just science to me. It's just, like, like, you know, it's not saying it's there. It's not saying it's not there. But if you can't see something, you can't feel something, and there's no way to detect it, there's no reason to believe that there's something there as opposed to something you that's like magical and you can't see unless you have some reason to believe that, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, to get into a bit more of what it would look like is, you know, imagine at the, in this future where... Let's say even imagine in this world people live for two to three hundred years because of medical advancements. Let's say that you could even choose to live for, I don't know, upwards of that. Let's say you could live for up to five or five hundred years or even a thousand years. 
um, probably, maybe at that point, you might have to use some kinds of, like, augmentation to keep yourself alive. You might need to, like, use artificial body parts, that kind of thing. But let's just say there's this world where that's the case normally, but then eventually, once you inevitably grow old and die, because I am at, or begin to grow old and you're going to die, because I'm not sure how feasible it would be otherwise to keep people alive indefinitely, um, because you'll, you know, you'll eventually have a mechanical problem, that kind of thing. Maybe it would be possible to develop bot like artificial bodies that could never like would never really die or would be easy to keep alive forever. Uh, but let's say even in a world like that, eventually I would imagine at that point you would or maybe not, but there's an idea, right, in literature that someone who lives forever will eventually begin to, I don't know, grow tired of living and want to die or want to stop oh, living. I'm not sure if I would imagine that maybe that must be realistic at some point. You probably get sick of it. Do you really want to live um, for thousands of years? I don't know. I'd imagine you could probably keep yourself busy, but I don't know. But that's where this comes in, right? Either maybe this is invented before they have the technology to keep people alive forever, but you could exist in any kind of a world that you want, any like any world of your imagination. And the fantastic thing about it, too, is if you're able to actually preserve people's consciousness, is that you'll be able to live together right? Like, you'll be able to both do the Dungeons and Dragons campaign together as a full six-person party, reincarnated and actually born into your life as a as a half-sweetest orc. But the, I, I think the question is, is if you sit there and you have this virtual reality, is it something that's going to be what you want, or is it just going to be on the for the sake of this we'll call it a programmer is it going to be the sake of the programmer to do it i mean you could look at something like you know the idea of it's almost like a dream where you're kind of at the helm of it and mm -hmm. it's just your brain waves being transported into this you know quote-unquote virtual reality but there's also the great potential for something like i regret saying this but like a minecraft type thing where it's like the base world is already as is and you just kind of fill in the gaps and even though you mm -hmm. feel like you have all this customization, you can't change the base at all. So if it goes in that direction, is that something mm -hmm. you'd want? Would you rather just straight up, you know, lose yourself? Or would you rather, you know, go into this world that wasn't created by yourself that you, you know, have some type of customization for? Um, well... I have already been born into a world that I don't have a whole lot of control over. I don't have the ability to rewrite the laws of physics at my will, but I still haven't decided to close my eyes and stop living just because I'm confined to that. But to answer your question, uh, I mean, 
it's probably limited by other technological factors, but I would imagine that there would be the option of whether or not you wanted to have a world where you could control almost like you were lucid dreaming or to have more control even than that or a world where systems are in place that you can't control on the fly like I don't know it's almost I guess I would say it's almost like the difference between having mod status or just being a player right yeah um, but then to also back up back around onto that is preserving your conscious digitally also leads to things like being able to talk to your descendants uh, like they basically have to Skype call you more or less just connect to your virtual afterlife cloud but you'd have the ability to talk to like your family members or your descendants or that kind of thing in the still living world uh, because they can just, you know, interact with the virtual world if you want to talk to them. Um, I think really m more of the issue would be do you have, like, who has the right <laughs> to be in charge if there's two people? Agreed. Um, for one, uh, the issue of are you able to make like bots of people more or less like am i allowed to have an nf graves who's my own personal little sue signer or something like that because i've always wanted you to sign my shoes or something like that but obviously you would rather ride a dragon or sail around the seven seas with blackbeard well, I, th I think in that so, case it'd just be yeah. you know you creating your ideal version of me or something in your own uh virtual reality i suppose <laughs> versus my own presence existing elsewhere but yes, I, I, not a, not a clone of your consciousness or your personality kind of thing because that seems a little bit ethically i, I think i think it's just like you creating a sim of me or a me <laughs> <laughs> You're okay if I make your sim drown in the pools. Yeah, as I don't feel free. You know what? If pool. I'm based off of artificial intelligence, <laughs> I'm made from some dumbass kid who forgot to, you know, fucking feed their Tamagotchi from like the 1990s. That's my current reality. But hmm. uh, yeah, no. And I think you brought up something interesting as well in regards to, you know, talking to your descendants. So if mm -hmm. you're in this virtual reality, do they have control over you? If someone wants some type of information off of you, like, hey, you know, when did, mm -hmm. uh, or what did Wahlberg say about this type thing? Are they going to, like, mm -hmm. torture my virtual consciousness to get it? Do I have the power to avoid that? Well, I would imagine they probably wouldn't have to if they didn't. I don't think they'd have to. I think they could probably just get it from you if they wanted. <laughs> if they, they could just make a little software for it. But like you're saying, that raises a very very real ethical problem with that and i think it's probably pretty obvious but there would be a lot of ethical problems with this sort of technology um if anyone has ever seen uh black mirror there is an episode pretty much this or they have a couple of episodes like this related to the concept of scanning a consciousness digitally but one episode was based around that technology where they had a 
convicted and sentenced criminal. Um, he, the whole episode, he maintains his innocence. Um, okay. And, you know, to, I don't, to add a little bit of that uh, degree of it, because, you know, wrongful convictions are very, very much a real thing. Um, they're, you know, not every conviction is a wrongful conviction, obviously, but people who think that everyone who goes to jail is guilty is just completely wrong. It's just not, it's just the fact that <laughs> people go to prison for, many people have gone to prison for the wrong reasons. There's no evidence. And it seems like, I don't know, it's probably pretty much possible, it's very possible that people could have even been sentenced to death because of it across the world. Uh, so there's just obviously that realistic angle, but someone who may or may not have been wrongfully convicted, accused and convicted and sentenced to death for their crimes, um, but they were offered some kind of a deal to scan their consciousness uh, to a shady guy <laughs> who ends up using his consciousness as an attraction at a fair where the attraction is to be able to actually execute him oh, the same God. way he died in real life via the electric chair. And that was all his life was, was execution after execution after execution. Yeah. And so, obviously, you don't want that. You don't want many of the things that could be used evilly with that. Like you said, you don't want to be able to override people's free will. You don't want to be able to, like, take information from them against their will, all of that stuff. But uh, I still think that despite all of those things, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't embrace or look forward to the technology or support it uh, because just because we have privacy issues with the internet doesn't mean that the internet's not a good thing yeah no i'd agree with you on that so all in all would you be happy to be put into a virtual afterlife because i think if uh, you if you take away the control from everyone else and i'd be happy to go there since, I mean, like, in my opinion, the alternative is death. I don't believe in some type Wait, of Wait, if you take away the control from everyone else, so you mean you're the only, you're the god, but no one else there is real? Hey, I just don't want to be a starved Tamagotchi. If I can go in, like, a dreamlike <laughs> state for the rest of my life, well, for, you know, eternity after, I'll take that. If I have the option to click the button and, you know, lose consciousness, I'll take that. But, yeah, I, mean... I, I think, like, you, you, we didn't touch on that, but I believe that, you know, obviously you can't force people to do this. You can't force people to come into a virtual afterlife in the first place, and you definitely can't force people to stay in it. You need to give them the option of whether they want to continue or not. But still, once you have all of those ethical problems sorted out, then yeah, because, uh, I mean, you know, if you're someone who doesn't believe in an afterlife, you believe that all of this is nothing when you die, and that is, at worst, scary. At best, maybe you can get some comfort from it. Uh, but most of the time, that's pretty scary, and I would definitely take being able to fly and live my dreams where I can fly around the sky <laughs> all day long instead of uh, the void. So yeah, yeah I man. would 
And then we can come uh, up like with the headline, cool. something like 405 doctors hate them. Find out how Gravecast members found out how to cheat death. <laughs> <laughs> that or you can just run a podcast promotion on like 20% off oh, for or, sure. premium, or premium afterlife or something like that. There you where go, if you man. want the ability to control what you do, you have to pay $1 billion up front. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I, I guess trying to veer away a little bit from, you know, these supposed death topics. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not veering too far away, but obviously uh, the U.S. and around the world has been doing pretty well at the vaccinations. Canada has been a little bit far behind. Yeah. But <laughs> when I saw in the news that America was aiming for 75% vaccinations in April, my first thought was, I don't think that that'll actually happen. That seems a little optimistic. But then my second thought was, how the hell could they possibly do that when, oh, yeah. like, we're just kind of feels like, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say we're sitting on our asses. Because I'm not behind the scenes, but I know that for a lot of Ontarians, it feels like we're just sitting around on our asses. But I guess I guess the alternative to sitting around doing nothing is to have everyone be dying in the streets, overflowing out of the hospital. So I guess when success is nothing, when success looks like nothing, you don't really feel <laughs> really successful. But oh, of course. So I guess the top line of this question is when you get vaccinated, when this is all over, what are you looking most forward to? Well, hopefully we get some semblance of a summer. Hopefully, like, I don't know. There's like nothing really specific. It's not like there's like one huge thing that's been taken away from me. It's not like I miss the gym. <laughs> or anything like that it's not like I just want to go to see a movie on the silver screen I know that you love the word silver screen also <laughs> when it comes to the great cast but I think for me it's probably gotta be uh, just being able to go out with the guys again be able to have a board game night be able to have a bonfire and some beers and ideally be able to just kind of like go away, be able to rent an Airbnb or a cottage or something because we haven't been able to do that during COVID because that's just not a good idea. But I want to be able to go, to go, you know, travel on an overnight trip with Rebecca. I want to be able to go to a cottage with the guys. Uh, but that's really pretty much it for me. Oh man, I I'm in complete agreement with you on that. I think uh, just in general, having some semblance of our summer. I mean, we've missed one. Summers are always the best. I just want my summer of you know driving down the road with everyone, fucking blaring music, going to fucking like Burger King, shooting pool, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Going to the cottage, uh, bonfires, as you said, and honestly, something I've missed this year because of uh, obviously COVID is. Our university, as most universities, tend to run a, a raunchy bingo session like twice a year as a school event, so I've missed that. There's so much fun. It's just a great way to kick back, let loose, and have a fun time. So, And obviously, you know, you got to lick the sidewalk too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would also like to be able to, um, you know, 
not have to stay an extreme distance away from my family members <laughs> kind yeah, of thing that I'm in my household. But it'll be nice to see my my family for Christmas and not have the masks. Yeah, for sure. So looks like we have our plans in place. Uh, outside of that, I think that brings us right to the end. So is there anything you would like to shout out? Uh, well, I would mostly just like to shout out the upcoming episode on the Gravescast in a couple of weeks, I think. I think uh, you said mid-May. Next, uh, well, first of all, hopefully I'll be able to be back on on a TriCast. Hopefully there's enough voicemail requesting my reappearance. But before that, I'd like to shout out the upcoming episode featuring my favorite health-related, food-related source of information, the Green Bean food blog. And yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, sounds good then. Green Bean, always a uh, good blog to go for all your health-related needs. <laughs> information, mind you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then outside of that, yes, uh, that's all outside of that, just uh, like I said before, every uh, other Friday we run the Gravescast at 8 p.m. EST on twitch.tv slash nfgraves. If you're more of a watch it after type thing, uh, you can go on Spotify slash iTunes, just look up Gravescast. You can find it anywhere. It's on like seven different platforms or something. <laughs> and then if you want to leave a voicemail, just go to anchor.fm slash Gravescast and you'll find an option there. So there's what you're finding. Uh, outside of that, like uh, Wahlberg touched on there, uh, a month from now, we do have a representative and the uh what do we say? The owner of the Green Bean Food Blog coming on. And actually before that, coming up in a couple of weeks, we will be having the first Gravescast TriCast featuring a couple of guests we've had on before. So stay tuned for that and enjoy the rest of your weekend, guys. And thank you for Walbert for coming on. You've been a fantastic guest. All right, guys. Oh, no we will catch you later.